Algar Productions. Algar Productions. You are listening to the Post Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 306, covering Live Fast and Prosper and Muse with Terry Drozdak. Hi, friends. Uh, we're, we're back, and Tidro's here, and uh, they're not even for a Harry Kim episode somehow. Wow. Hey. Like, no, I'm, this isn't, I'm not, I'm not opening by criticizing you. What I'm saying is, <laughs> early on when you chose some of your episodes, you chose them based on the uh, presence or lack of Harry Kim, and this time you don't seem to have done that. No, he's barely in either of these episodes, and yet yeah. they're not great. Well, the, <laughs> we have differing opinions, which is good. <sighs> but, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm saying, like, when you first signed up for Voyager, like a year and a it half was ago, basically, it was very Harry Kim centric. Yes. Yeah, you had a memory of liking Harry Kim, and you chose episodes that focused on mm-hmm. him. That's fine, but I, that's why yeah. I'm surprised that these two episodes. Like, did you? Was there any particular reason you chose these, or just because they were? Oh open? no, these ones were pretty random. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. No, I. Th- that's. But I'm glad I picked the one I did. So. When we welcome the episode, like when we welcome the guests, I try to figure out why they're here for this particular episode. Is all and, uh, you told me to show up. Well, I asked <laughs> you to show up. <laughs> I'm teasing. Make it sound like I just tr- like trample villages and command people to come on our podcast. Like, that sounds I'm about right. Sure yeah, that's how it goes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, it it has been pointed out. I should I should acknowledge this publicly because people keep telling us about it and it's cool that they're telling us about it it's cool that they want to tell us about it uh that that ds9 uh documentary thing is happening oh you yeah that, i'm right, cautiously excited about that yeah it's since it's a since it's a, a crowdfunded thing it hasn't happened yet and so i'm still like hopefully it'll be cool i thought they already but, uh, uh, i thought they already funded it like they funded it super uh, maybe quick. they have i didn't i didn't check like i checked when everyone was telling me about it a couple days ago mm-hmm. maybe they have by now um, but one of the things, if you donate a certain amount, and it was a surprisingly low amount, it was like 150 bucks, is you could uh, get 10 minutes of Ira Stephen Bear's time. And I was very tempted to do that, <laughs> to have him on our show. And then I got scared because yeah. he's a scary guy. Aww. I don't know, man. That I love dude, him. I respect him. But that dude, yeah. like that guy is scary, but in a positive way. Like, well, it's like I've always compared him to Harlan Ellison, only harnessed for good. That's, exactly. That's how I always describe him. <laughs> Iris Stephen Mayer doesn't stand for your fucking uh, sexual harassment. Yeah. He'll kick a hole in no. your dick. He absolutely will. Um, but uh, he'll kick several so that it's like a flute. Yes. But uh, <laughs> now I, I thought about it and I thought, man, having him on the show would be great. And then I thought I would be super intimidated. So never mind. Mm. Also, I don't have $150. So Yeah. No, that's that. an issue. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um. Let me tell you what happened in the first of our two episodes, which is called Live Fast and Prosper. Hooray. This is a reference I would hesitate to drop on Matt because there's only about a 50% chance he'd get it. But since Tidro is here, the odds of this landing increase substantially. But will the listeners get it, you may ask? What an odd question that's never occurred to me before. Anywho, remember the video for It's Tricky? in which funky fresh hip-hop pioneers run DMC encounter funky fresh comedy illusionists Penn and Teller? You should. It's the second greatest music video ever produced right behind Walk This Way, which also, not coincidentally, features Run DMC. 
In It's Tricky, Run DMC chase Penn and Teller out of their neighborhood for cheating rubes out of their hard-earned gold chains with the old find-the-lady card game. But before they split, Penn and Teller ask Run DMC to teach them how to rock a rhyme, which they manage to learn despite the inherent difficulty or trickiness therein. Fast forward to some time later as Run DMC arrive in Japan for a gig, only to discover Penn and Teller flawlessly posing as Run DMC to the admiration of thousands of screaming fans who apparently don't care that there are now only two guys in the group instead of three, only one of them actually raps, and then not very well. The two guys are, you know, white, and there's no DJ. You can't have a classic hip-hop combo without a DJ, it's just not done. But that's a testament to Penn and Teller's con artistry. Despite all these handicaps, they still pull it off. And that's basically what happens in this episode, except there's no Run DMC, no Penn and Teller, and the title is really stupid. But otherwise, exactly the same. Alright, fine. Here's the actual summary. A trio of con artists claim to be Janeway, Tuvok, and Chakotay and cheat a bunch of people out of various resources. Then Janeway catches them. The end. Yeah, I'd much rather have watched the It's Tricky video. Which, well, by the way, it's over. It's over in three And they did it in three minutes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Even the extended version. Yeah. <laughs> now, it's, uh, it, it did remind me quite a bit of that, which told this same story much more efficiently. That guy stole my chain. He did what? <laughs> yep. Send out the Run DMC helicopter. We'll be right there. <laughs> yep. Oh, man, you do remember it. I like that song. Yeah, me too. It's a great video, too. There's not a whole... I'm not a big hip-hop fan, but, like, that's a good fucking song. Yeah. Good video, too. Yeah. Yep. Back when Penn and Teller were babies. I also really like Penn and Teller. Well, who doesn't? That was my one no thing one. when we went to Vegas is I wanted to see Penn and Teller, and it never happened. Ah. Yeah. I I'm, saw them, and they did a trick that they said they would tell us how they did it a little while later, and it's been like 18 years, and they haven't yet. Yep. The bullet catch? That's the one. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen them live? I know you're a big fan. I saw them live um, in D.C. Uh, ah. like 15 years ago. Oh, man. Nice. Yeah. Okay, enough about Penn and Teller, I guess. Uh, no, yeah, I think we, we could probably, probably go a little longer. Yeah. <laughs> Well, would you agree then that this episode was bullshit? Yes. <laughs> See, like like the Penn Teller show. Bullshit. It's pretty good, Al. It was it was not entirely bullshit, but it was a uh... a lot of bullshit. <laughs> it was not my favorite episode. Okay. Well, I would you say it was bad though? No, it wasn't bad. It was just sort of meh. Okay. That's that's kind of the thing. A lot of Voyager is meh, and I'm kind of getting sick of it. Well, it's starting thing to is, both there's... wear me out and make me think that just meh episodes are way worse than they really are. I See, I don't like a meh episode when it's like the same formula. And I will give this episode credit. At least it wasn't like and this is my good thing. I didn't love everything about it, but I do think it was a type of story Star Trek doesn't do very often. The con artist story mm. like surely there must have been one on DS9 and we had Harry Mudd on the original series. But, like, there's, there's not a lot of this. There's not a lot of these guys were pretending to be us and trick these guys, and now we got to trick them. Like, it's definitely a, a certain type of story that you see in other genres mm. that Star Trek hasn't done much. And there's a there's a tiny bit of it where, like, Kate and Tuvok are outsmarting a con artist. Like, that that part was okay. It felt like this was a good first draft. The, the idea was good. It did, like, your typical meh episode is, like, standard formula. You know exactly what's coming. And this at least was a different type of story you know what i mean like they were trying something new they just didn't quite pull it off mm. yeah and that i give it credit for i give them credit when they try something that they haven't done before 
Yeah, there just, was just some lazy writing and yes, very lazy didn't, writing. Ugh. Didn't really pull it off. Well, this is really Matt. This is your bad thing, right? Yeah, it's this episode a, make like the writing. In this just makes everyone in the entire episode look dumb. You know, Voyager mm-hmm. looks dumb. The con artists look dumb. Everybody who lives in the Delta Quadrant looks fucking dumb. Like. Everyone keeps falling for these stupid hollow cons. Just how many people are tricked into helping orphans? Really? Faceless orphans. No, that and that's my point is like this all feels like a good first draft. Yeah. But like with with a with a big red circle around all the con stuff. Okay, make this clever so that our intelligent characters will be realistically fooled. And yeah. instead, they're fooled by the dumbest stuff. Like, we were talking... Yeah, they don't even show them a picture of the orphan. No. No. Yeah, you, gotta, you gotta at least have a picture of the orphans. Yeah, or something. But like, it's Orphans is, it's, like, the hackiest, just, like... Like, if you're thinking of the easiest thing to trick people with, orphans is at the top of the list. Yeah, it's not hard to find a picture of three kids and then stamp orphans on it. I mean, just get pictures of the three people conning people when they were kids. Yeah, exactly. Dressed in dirty rags. Done. That's what they call the long con. Yeah. (laughs) You'll give me the long con. But no, like, just everyone, like, we talked about this during the episode about, like, how fucking having Paris and Neelix get tricked, like... Like Al, you said these like those are the these are the shadiest guys on the on the ship. Well, I mean, you gotta you gotta account for the fact that it's Voyager and True. nobody's shady. But that said, like grading on a curve, yeah, these two are the most likely to have been involved in this kind of thing in their past. Like an ex-con yeah. and whatever the fuck Neelix used to get well, up. Neelix to. got up to a lot of sort of shady business. War we, crimes we and some stealing garbage. Uh-huh. At one point, Tom's like, oh, I guess we lost our edge. And I'm like, oh, honey, we never had an edge. <laughs> Come on, they literally picked him up from prison. He had some edge. Eh. He was in prison. My eh. prison rep. What says street cred more than I did time? I'm in prison. It was like minimum security. Oh, well, but it's the future. I mean, come on. Yeah. They basically just sent him to New Zealand and you can't leave. I mean, you that know, I can think of worse That kind of sounds like vacation. Yeah. Uh, no, if you can't leave is the part. Like, we, the the end of Flight of the Concords was not yeah. exactly an uplifting thing because they were stuck in New Zealand and they couldn't leave. Well, yeah, but it's still New Zealand. It's worst mean, place to be stuck. That's true. Yeah, but it's the, it's the future. They don't want to have anything bad. So they put you in a beautiful <laughs> paradise and just don't let you leave. That's mm-hmm. it. <laughs> and sometimes okay. Captain Kirk yeah. comes by to relax. Yeah, exactly. Y- yeah. But, see, but Tom was never this dumb. This no, is you're right. Tom being yeah. really dumb. But you get the impression of like from him talking about his Starfleet Academy days, like he used to hang out in that French bar shooting pool. Mm-hmm. He totally like built some rubes like yeah. at the pool table. Yeah, but he that's that's just like a like a privileged white guy way of doing it. Yeah, I suppose so. I don't my yeah. my point is though, these guys should have been smarter than that. Yeah, and oh, they yeah. weren't. Absolutely. They were fucking 100%. dumb. 100%. Like those two should be a little streetwise to that kind of thing and they weren't. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. yeah, no. Really... Again, if you took the basic idea and you wrote the con man really clever and then you wrote our guys normal, then it would have worked. Yeah. Like, th- there's, there's a germ of a good idea here, but it just it didn't it didn't work for me. And a lot of that had to do with the actors, I thought. Yeah, they like, were not particularly great. Yeah. F- fake Janeway should have been one of those. When you get a great actor who can match wits with the captain and we always point that out, this mm. was not one of those times. No. If they'd sent Harry, it might have worked. Uh, well, I'll yeah. believe Harry will fall for anything at this point. Well, and I think that was the point of the episode was it didn't happen to Harry. It happened to the ones that should have known better. I kind of want to try to sell Harry a bridge. 
<laughs> oh, Harry owns several bridges. I think of well, you say owns, but uh... <laughs> no, he thinks he owns. If you ask him, he'll tell you he. <laughs> He, he comes back to Earth with the deeds to, like, 50 bridges across the Delta Quadrant. And if you look out the window of Starfleet Academy, you'll see the Harry Kim Gate Bridge. <laughs> no, Harry. No. I honestly think there was a missed comedy opportunity here not having Harry discover that these guys were ripped off and laughing at them, like. That would yeah. have been a good way to give Harry a little dignity, actually. Yeah. Like, oh, man, you guys fell for the orphan thing? Oh, you're so stupid. Man, that's something I would fall for, and I'm Harry Kim. Yeah. That was a missed opportunity, I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they're not going to give Harry any dignity. I it's know. Against their, it's, against, it's like in the Bible, it says, do not do anything that makes Harry look good. Right. I'm fine with that. And that's half That's half my problem with the character. If they If they tried to make him a little better... Like, I still don't think the actor's up to it. But, you know, if the writers tried a little harder. The other thing they have about Harry in the Bible is that in every episode he should fall into a mud puddle. Unfortunately, they did away with that pretty quick. <laughs> uh, it usually makes it on the cutting room floor is mm-hmm. the problem. They're still doing it. Well, it's an easy clip is the thing, you know? Like, oh, we can just cut out yeah. the part where Harry falls into another mud puddle. Right, exactly. Why does this keep happening to me? <laughs> um, Tidro, what was your good thing? Oh, so the con men had these knockoff Starfleet uniforms, and they were like sort of bad cosplay mm-hmm. outfits. Mm-hmm. And um, there was some costume person that made those and just was giggling to themselves while they were making it. Uh, especially, I like the part where instead of an actual shirt under their uniforms, they have just a dicky <laughs> that's on a flap. And yep. th- at one Matt, point, you're just she- laughing at the word dicky, aren't you? I'm, you'd think I'd be used to it. We said dicky like 80 times during the episodes, but uh, <laughs> here we are. For those of you no. who don't know, it's like an undershirt that isn't even a full shirt. It just gives the appearance of an undershirt. Yeah, I did. Doc Venture wears one in uh, Venture Brothers. Yeah. Yep. yeah. So it's just like a, a it's a fake shirt. Yeah. So right. I, I just love their, their fake uniforms. And Al, you, I think there was a specific thing about the uniforms. Well, they, they had the oversized novelty com badges and the pips that were like <laughs> twice the size yep. of the normal <laughs> neck pips. And just it it. If you're not looking for it, you're like, something's out of place here. What is it? But because I watch this every week, I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, that looks ridiculous. There's also <laughs> related that I don't know if you guys noticed this or not, but there's a shot where they are, uh, they're making a phone call to a uh, cool jacket guy who we'll get to in a minute. And mm-hmm. they have a version of the uh, the Federation logo that is solid gold. Like it's on it's on one of the one of the screens in the background. And it's not just that it's gold. It's that it's like it's got gl- like it's gleaming. Right. No, I feel like, like Tidro said, I feel like one of the costume people and probably the props people and the like the vis- the guys who do all the visuals for the screens must have really enjoyed the opportunity to make slightly off-kilter versions of what we're familiar yeah. with. I love those that- giant com badges. They're huge. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like switching from a from a phone to a tablet. Mm-hmm. Just carry it around all the time. Yep. Yeah. It's Love like this. I'm, I'm looking at the thing. I'm like, that could save Doc Brown from a bullet. <laughs> <laughs> that could that could cover a Starfleet shaped uh, manhole in the street. <laughs> uh, what was your bad thing, Tedro? Um, at one point, Neelix has to go and have a talk with Fakeway mm-hmm. in the brig, and he's just. It's this overly sweet thing about being a good person, and I just wanted to vomit. Yep. <laughs> just, just wow. really bad. I, I just about any time they make 
anytime, well, anytime someone, they make Neil earnest. Yeah. I hate anytime that, someone goes to like a like a con artist or like someone who's like a bad guy and just like, <laughs> why do you do what you do? Yeah. Although we, we do pull out from that to discover that uh, Tuvok and Janeway had developed this whole plot that involved her needing to escape. And true. So him going in there and saying that and getting conked on the head was part of their plan to catch her. Mm. I don't know if the, the, the uh, I used to be a bad person and now I'm a good person was part of the plan. Have you no, tried I don't think they wrote the speech garbage? for him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't think they wrote the speech for him, but hey, go in and open your heart to her. Then she'll want to uh, smack you and leave. Yeah, like we yeah, do every I can week. See that. Yes. Like they didn't need to coach him. He already had stuff that would make her pissed off. So I, yeah, I brought you some tea and a sympathetic ear. It's uh, in the tea. Here's some. Yeah. Here's was, some. Yeah. <laughs> here's some hair soup. <laughs> uh, speaking of hair, Matt, what was your good thing? Uh, I really like the big cool alien and the big cool woolly coat. Good yeah, alien. He's got like a nice coat. It's got like a like a Russian fur coat kind of thing. Like it, it's it's kind of a tough guy fur coat, which the, is hard to pull off. The the dude. I told I. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I called him. I called him the Macklemore alien because he's in this big old uh, fur coat that you know he got at the thrift shop. Well, shit, it was yeah. ninety nine cents. Exactly. <laughs> and one of you pointed out his his belt looks like a seat belt. Yep. <laughs> he comes in, and I'm like, well, that guy just wandered in from Babylon Five. He does look like their kind of alien, and I actually have good things to say about their alien design mostly. Not mm. the guy with the giant hair, but some of the others. No, but a lot of them, they like they tried to get away from the whole yeah. forehead bump thing. And yeah, for the no, most part, they look cool. And he was like eight feet tall. Yeah. And he had a cool fur coat. Yeah, good looking alien. Yeah, no, I yeah. definitely enjoy I wish he'd been around more. Also, at the beginning, we had aliens who looked pretty cool too like uh they talked like cartoon dumb guys like they were a couple of roms but, oh uh, the mining alien yeah yeah hey, you're, you're, um, we're gonna save the orphans right uh, yeah okay brother <laughs> but they look pretty cool <laughs> they did so they look good they also look like they were about to launch into uh uh, uh a song from we the represent the lollipop but, guild uh, yeah the yeah. lollipop guild but uh yep well, that's because they were kind of shuffle, shambling up with their hands behind their backs. Well, and they also were in like tandem. the uniforms and like their faces. Like these guys, these guys are clearly in an actor's troupe. And, and the way they talked out of the side of their mouth the whole time. Hey, yeah. buddy. <laughs> that movie's weird. Anyone ever notice that? That's a weird ass movie. No, no. Rift Tracks pointed out to me. I may have mentioned this before, but it, I never it never ceases to amuse me. Uh, the, uh, so when Dorothy's been captured by the witch and the the three guys go to rescue her, mm-hmm. uh, and they're and they're making their way up to her uh, to her castle mm-hmm. uh, through the spooky woods, the scarecrow is carrying a gun. <laughs> what? When you were little, I guarantee you didn't notice this. He no, just, I did not notice. That. What? Uh, Rift Tracks Rift Tracks pointed this out. They did it. They did a riff of the Wizard of Oz, which is great. Seriously, go go watch the. Wizard no, of Oz I, be- and, I believe and you, and I don't like the Wizard of Oz enough that I he's would. He's carrying that. like a like a like a six shooter, like like you would have in like a western. But it is it's a it's a gun. It's just a gun. Just a and gun. He never he never fires it, but that's his protection going in the spooky woods up to the witch's house. Frank Baum apparently never heard of Chekhov's gun law. <laughs> Hilarious! If the scarecrow um, shows up with a gun, it must be fired before Dorothy goes back to Kansas. <laughs> Yeah, why do they have to dump a bucket of water on the witch? Just shoot her. Shoot her in the head. Yeah, jeez. 
my bad thing about this episode, this is a thing that both of you pointed out, and I agree, happens in con artist stories, but they, they kind of left a part out. The con artist, especially fake Tuvok, got lost in their roles. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I guess it was meant to be cute, but it just felt kind of dumb. Yeah, it, yes, I am logic man. Now I care about logic. Yeah, it was what? like, like he, it, he turned into Tuvok. It was out of nowhere and like really weird. Like what you need is that middle scene where it's like, I've been in this character's head so long. I understand how he works and I want to be him now. Mm-hmm. Like it, it could be a little creepy and a little funny, but they forgot that part. And he just suddenly wants to be Tuvok and like wear his skin. And, and then just, and when <laughs> Tuvok shows up at the end of the episode to arrest him and he's like, Tuvok. Oh, you're really him. Oh, the it's, famous it's, Tuvok it's I've heard so much about. Did I do a good yeah. job? No, you didn't. Also, I'm waiting for Janeway to show up and he just goes, you can't tell us apart. You'll have to shoot us both. <laughs> yeah, fake Janeway wasn't good enough to, like, like I said before, not not a good enough actor, but also just the look of her, like mm. she was clearly wearing a wig. Yeah. It oh, very like much. A... It's like one of my first notes was like, that's some real bad hair. Yep. And the thing is, it's supposed to be a wig and she pulls it off, but that doesn't mean it needs to look bad. And yeah. just, uh, nothing about her, just like. I would not believe it was her for a second. No. Like, you're you're not even in charge of a wagon. You're definitely not in charge of a starship. <laughs> Just, yeah. Ugh. Yeah. I do like, there's a bit uh, near the beginning, after we see the the fake guys, we, we cut to Voyager, and the whole thing about uh, uh, Neelix... Uh, being bilked by these guys was that he was sold a bad piece of equipment mm-hmm. that he then just plugged right into Voyager, which was fucking everything up on the ship. Yeah, thanks a lot. Yeah, you, you're just totally allowed to do that, I guess. You got yeah, a fucking no, like, British adapter, Neelix. Nice job. There, there's still no quarantine, no any kind of like, yeah, just plug in whatever you want. Yep. That's fine. But uh, everything on the ship is messing up and it's, it's, it's kind of funny, I guess, but it does lead to my quote. I've run every diagnostic I know and I can't seem to isolate the problem. Gremlins. Excuse me? In the early days of aviation, engineers blamed imaginary little creatures called gremlins for malfunctions they could not explain. Which I kind of, I thought that was cute. I would really like to see Kate fight, like, a gremlin in, like, the kitchen. Yeah, like a gremlin's, <laughs> like a Joe Dante gremlin yeah, style. Yeah, shove it in a microwave. Yep. That'd be great. they jump into Neelix's soup pot and start multiplying. Plus, her voice translates well to the to singing the theme song. <laughs> That's true. Uh, what else? Uh, orphans. Anything? Orphans. <laughs> you know, a little orphan boy. That orphan. <laughs> I have a note here. Uh, one of them said, "Oh, we should have used that gambit." And I just don't use the word gambit. No actual criminals <laughs> use the word gambit. <laughs> Chess players use that word. That's not for criminals. <laughs> it wow. really, it's its like bungling the caper. Like, it's such a hack. Ah. It's just like when fake Janeway meets real Janeway, she says, I expected you to be taller. That is like, like, place filler dialogue 101. Yeah, I'm so sick of that uh, that line. You put that in and then you put a good line in later. And that a whole episode felt like that. Yeah, like, this really is good. like a first draft. Yeah, good premise. Go back and make it good. Yeah. Send it to me. I'll do touch up on it. Yeah. And that doesn't mean make this episode again, Voyager, because I know you love to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, In this episode again, they it was the second time that Harry Kim has mentioned screwing up uh, Tuvok's holodeck program. (laughs) Yeah. 
his religious hall, like where he goes to meditate and think about Vulcan stuff. Yeah. And so this is a thing Harry does regularly. Yep. Yeah. This came up a couple of weeks ago where he was, oh, it was yeah. uh, when the, the dead chick came back. Yeah. And he was trying to convince yeah. her to help him do that. Like, ugh, but, stop it. That yeah. is so disrespectful. He's trying to meditate. And you're like, oh, I'll put some fucking clowns in there to dance around. It's, it's not like it's not like his fun like music program or something. Yeah. That would be okay. This is a serious cultural thing. It's like his religion. Like, knock it off, dude. Yeah. And there's apparently no privacy on the holodeck anymore. Well. Like none. Well, it's like I said a couple of weeks ago, it's the dildo trough. They all just share it. <laughs> Sidle on up. You should be able to put a lock on that shit. You would think. Yeah. Does uh, that mean people have actually wandered in there and found the strangling um, Neelix program? Oh, that I one's probably so. a communal program, too. It's very popular. <laughs> in fact, Neelix is so desperate to be accepted that he's even done it a couple of times. <laughs> well, this is popular. I guess I'll give it a try. Okay, come on. Tell me if you couldn't kill yourself in a, like a video game, you wouldn't do it just once or twice. I, once I or absolutely twice. wouldn't. Do you, know how oh. good, do you know how good that would be for my psychology? I know. Oh, God. I, I feel the exact opposite. I feel like that is the ultimate cry for help. Mm. <gasps> yeah. And if someone no. saw that, they would have me committed. Yeah, but I mean, sometimes you're mad at yourself and you can't really do anything about it. Yep. Being able to kill yourself in a video uh, game will be pretty good. Pretty good way to get the, get that get I that out. Amount of times I've come home from guys... work and just wanted to punch myself in the mouth. Like, come on. See, yeah. No, I see. I I'm happy with every choice that I make. So I guess we're really learning a lot about ourselves here. Yeah. Yes. Yes, I think we are. Uh, all right. Anything else about this episode? Mm. It was apparently directed by LeVar Burton. That's not that remarkable, though. Like, he directs every, like, eighth episode. Well, I don't pay attention to that. <laughs> ah, see, I always look at who wrote it and who directed it, just because that's a, that's a thing I like to look at. Um, this actually... No, he's... Sorry, go ahead. I usually notice the writer. I don't usually notice the mm. director. Mm. Now, he's one of the house directors. He's, been, like, since Next Gen ended, he directed a bunch of DS9 into Voyager, and he probably still directs Enterprise, as I recall, too. Like, yeah. he's... He just, that's what he did after that. Like, he kept doing Reading Rainbow, and he directed some Star Trek. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. I, I like that. I like I, that they take care of them their own. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. I've noticed Voyager is getting really into the weird cold open. Oh, yeah, where you don't know what's going. It's the blow your mind thing that I always Yeah, yeah, about. yeah. It's just, it's getting more and more obvious. They do, both episodes do it this week. It's yeah, where you like, try, you have to wonder what the deal because we always start with a different alien race and like, oh, what's their deal? Like, yeah. just just tell me, just yeah. move in a straight line. You don't always have to make it a mystery. Every now and then is fine, but yeah, it's just, just like in this one, it's like, who are these strange people? That's not Janeway. That's some lady yeah. in a wig. And if they didn't do it every single week, it wouldn't bother me. It's just that they constantly do they it. love it. Yeah, it's, it's their it's favorite like thing. Last time when we had Bob on, and he's like, "This would have been a good episode if they hadn't already done." Well, mm -hmm. I don't remember the episode now, but what he said was, "If we hadn't already seen this in a few other forms, I would have liked it." And yeah. I feel the same way about that. Like, a mysterious cold open is good sometimes, but every Not week it becomes tedious. Yeah, yeah. Then no. you're always second guessing everything, and you never can just sit and enjoy the story. You're always wondering where the twist is. No, the show just feels really hack. Well, it's. Again, I've, I've talked about this, too, in the 50-year mission thing. This is the point where the writers start saying we were out of ideas. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, so either bring in new writers or stop making the show. Yeah. Like, no, well, I think we'll do another two going. years and then uh, we'll do another year of this and then five more five seasons of another show. I mean, Brandon Braga straight up said there was not enough meat on that bone to make a whole new series. But Rick Berman gave me a big sack of money. So I said, well, okay. Mm-hmm. 
Wow. And like I said, I've, I, I gained a lot of respect for, uh, for Braga, at least as a, like, I still don't like his writing style, but just his approach to things, mm-hmm. like the way he looked at things behind the scenes, he wanted to mix things up. He wanted to make it better. And sometimes he was like, look, there's, there's nowhere to go with this. Let's stop. Like, and unfortunately, Berman just kept pushing him. Look, there's there's money. Go. Just go. Who cares? <laughs> Give me the money. Just go. Yeah. I want it. Ugh. And Enterprise, like, one of the two creators of the show just straight up said, we did not have enough ideas to make a full series, and yet here we are. So. Hmm. I I do not have a song prepared about keeping an open mind for that show. Just, just, just so we're clear. That's, you're, you're probably fine. <laughs> yeah. Anything else about this episode? Nah. Tidra? Nope. Nope, nope. Well, then why don't you tell us about the highly controversial in that some of us liked it and some of us didn't, Muse. Okay. To keep up with the recent rather creative summaries here on the post-atomic horror, I have decided to do an interpretive dance to encapsulate the emotions I felt while watching Muse. Here I go. Oh, okay, that's not going to work. In actual words, then, we open on a primitive Greek-style play telling the tale of the brave Bolana, whose ship was wrecked and who bravely booted Harold Harold Kim out in an escape pod. Is your mind blown? Belle is nowhere to be seen, though, because the penniless poet who wrote the script has her imprisoned in the wrecked Delta Flyer. Kellis's plays don't exactly bring all the nobles to the yard, but the new tale of Belle has impressed his patron. He doesn't want to release her, but eventually does, upon which she threatens to blow him away if he ever comes back. He comes back the next day, and I guess she was lonely? Kellis says he needs to come up with a new play by the next week, and somehow convinces Belle that in between bouts of trying to fix her ship enough to contact Voyager, she should come be his advisor. Belle begins to trade carefully sanitized for the Bronze Age stories of Voyager in return for food and supplies. Bellana, who has obviously never been anyone's artistic muse before, caves, especially when he tells her that his play may help prevent a war. Kellis throws in the Borg Queen for conflict, must be sweeps week, and gets Tuvok all wrong. However, he does give Kate Chuck Shippers the love scene we've always wanted. We. <laughs> Harry magically appears at the Delta Flyer with exactly the part they need to call home. Talk about a deus ex machina, am I right? But Belle goes back to the play to make sure they get a good ending for... some reason. She beams out in front of everybody, and I'm sure no one's going to get tortured to death for being a witch. The end. Deep bow. Okay, we couldn't see your dancing, and we also can't see your deep bow. That's why I said it. Ah, very well. Okay. Exit pursued by a bear. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. That's Sabrina's bear. Oh, right. So it is. Yeah, well, no, I, she's... I don't want to take her bear. No, you're not mauled by a bear. You're pursued by a bear who thinks you're Sabrina, will realize you're not, and then take off looking for Sabrina. Gotcha. So some of us uh-huh. liked this episode. I did. Look, I enjoyed I... it. I feel like we've not always done this correctly because just because some of us don't like a thing, we're not attacking you, we're attacking the episode. And I feel like defenders of this episode should ha- should be able to say, you know, what they feel without thinking we're going to mock them. Because I'm mocking the episode, I'm not mocking you. And I'm pretty sure you're mocking me, but it's, I'm okay no, with it. I mock you for liking Harry Kim because that is an indefensible position. <laughs> okay. Liking this episode, I'd, I'd be willing to listen to your point. 
okay. And I, the reason I say this is because you are not the only one to speak up in its in its defense. Bob really liked it. I think someone else, one of our other listeners who's not regularly on the show, really liked it. Like people liked this episode. We we didn't, but some people might. Mm-hmm. So uh, let let's start with your good thing, Tidro. What's what's good about this? I very much liked them using the conceits of Greek of, of Greek uh, drama. Mm-hmm. Um, they had the masks. They had a chorus. Uh, they had a Deus Ex Machina. I mean, literally, mm-hmm. um, it was uh, pretty cool. Their costumes were like very interesting bathrobes with corsets. Yep, um, <laughs> that was definitely a choice they made. Yep, yep, bathrobes with corsets. I didn't hate the costumes of of these. Like they're supposed to be like Bronze Age guys. They, they looked about no. right. The masks were cool. I love I the, uh, the, the guard helmets, the big fucking <laughs> ornate elements. The helmets that come down to the, the bottom stage. of their ears. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> protects every part of the body except the neck because yeah, the well, neck who's, really who's gonna protects go after itself. Your, yeah. Who, who's going to go after your neck with a sword? You're fine. Yeah. They don't have vampires there. It's okay. Yeah. That's that's cool. Now, I think Tidra was talking about the costumes of the guys, like the actual actors. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. But uh, I... Uh, Okay, so is that it? Is that the only good thing? Yes. <laughs> That's the only good thing. Before we tear into it, I just want you to have your, your, your fair say, is all. I I enjoyed the story of Balana. It, it's a play within a within a play sort of conceit, and I, I liked mm. it. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I liked seeing Balana's reaction to the story about her. I, I liked... Now, we, we both felt that Balana acted a bit out of character in that she suddenly got wrapped up in all this stuff. Do you, do you disagree with Just that? Just like out of nowhere, I... the play is like important yeah, for she, some reason. 90% of the time, she acted like the Balana we know, which is uh, engineering, not art. And then suddenly she's you like, see, what art? That's the thing is, I feel like... If what you, happened if to change always, her mind? If you've... I don't think it was. I think she was just a little bit flattered that there's an entire play about okay, her. Okay, but but let me mansplain to you how drama works. <laughs> oh God. No, I I just like characters go through an arc where things happen to them that can change their minds. I I never saw the point where something happened to her where she changed her mind. She just suddenly arbitrarily changed her mind. That's yeah, what bugged me. Yeah, if there was bits ah. in this about like her sort of getting into the whole idea of the play and like enjoying it, like that's different. Yeah, if she gradually got into it, but it was just suddenly she wasn't and then suddenly she was. Like, oh wait, this is important. Yeah. I I thought she just wanted to have a little fun. She's oh, allowed occasionally. But, uh, no, I that's fine, but they never showed the part where she changed her mind, she suddenly just changed. You know what I mean? Like there was no, there was no evolution toward that. It just well, she flipped. Maybe the switch. it was maybe it was Stockholm syndrome. Even still, Stockholm syndrome <laughs> must happen in increments, not all at once. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. Eh. Like I, it didn't feel like character development. It just felt like this. This makes the plot more interesting, as far as I know. And and, and it didn't to me, but. Yeah, it felt fine to me. It seemed like there was a progression to me. It was very out of character for Bellana. For another character, maybe I could see them having like a, oh, you know what? I like art, but Bellana doesn't like art. I could definitely see Harry being flattered by someone writing a play about him. Oh, Oh, Harry would be down there writing the play with them. Especially someone of the opposite sex. And it would make sure he gets the prettiest girl to kiss. Uh Uh-huh. These girls aren't pretty pretty enough, enough. and their masks are also not pretty enough. (laughs) Let me let me show you how to to work with more advanced metals, which violates the prime directive, but will make you better masks. <laughs> he, he probably would do that. <laughs> yeah, uh, Matt. What was your good thing? Um, 
there's a line at the end about sort of like after everyone leaves and it's just the one poet guy and he's talking about how, you know, like, and Voyager will continue on and it's expedition and we'll keep watching stories about it. I like that. I don't know why, but I liked it. It's a bit fourth wally. It was, but, you know, I kind of dug it. That doesn't make it a bad thing. I'm just no. like, just yeah. it was a bit turning to the camera and saying, and you will continue watching their stories, won't you? I'm like, I, well, yeah, that's what I signed up for. I would enjoy it more, I feel like, <laughs> if I liked Voyager. But like, <laughs> I mean, you could say that about any episode, really. I would like this more if I didn't hate this show with a fiery passion. <laughs> if this didn't suck, it would be pretty okay. Yeah. The no, Voy- I get what you're saying. <laughs> That's pretty much all of Voyager, honestly. If this didn't yeah, suck, it'd be okay. About two thirds of it. There's about a third of it, I think, is good. That's That's been the ratio by, in, in my experience. But, you know, for an episode that's all about how fucking important writers are. It, well... We're going to get to that in a minute. Yeah. The the ending just being like, yeah, and they'll go on and have more adventures. I'm like, yeah, right. That's kind of cool, I guess. Well, and that, that plays into Tidro's good thing, which is it's very classic theater. It's uh-huh. very at the, like, it's in Shakespeare, and I'm pretty sure Shakespeare borrowed it from even older stuff, which is having that character at the end turn to the audience and say, here's what you just saw. The adventure, the human adventure is just beginning. Now everyone clean up your popcorn because there's another show starting. <laughs> if you didn't like it, it's a dream, so you can't sue us. Yeah. It's just an imaginary story, but then again, aren't they all? Yeah, thanks, Alan Moore. Yeah. You're welcome. Take my name off it. Take my name off his episode. <laughs> um, but I I do think that played into the whole, like, theater thing. Mm-hmm. So, like, I think that was an intentional nod at what they were doing there. So if you like that, Absolutely. that's great. I, I did not, but I can see an argument for that being good. My good thing. But it's totally in character for preachy. Oh, it absolutely is. It absolutely mm-hmm. is. My good thing. Yes. I... Until the end where she, like we just talked about, where she suddenly just lost me. I really liked Bellana in this one a lot. Like, like she was very in character to me until suddenly she wasn't. But for 90% of the episode, uh, watching her solve engineering problems using the primitive materials on hand in particular, I liked. Like, there's a point where she's trying to get information out of this dude. And she's like, okay, I can't violate the prime directive. I can't say, have you discovered this yet? So uh, what what metal do you have? Do you know what steel is? No. Do you know what bronze is? Yes. Okay. I need bronze, this and this and this, this size, mm-hmm. w- like, uh, uh, w- which is an alloy of bronze and this. And like, she's trying to MacGyver her way off. And I mm-hmm. like that a lot. It was very, <clears throat> it was very Bellana. And it's so, and, it's been so long since we've seen Bellana be cool, you know? Yeah, she's been, we've said this before, they've shuffled her to the back for like a large port. Like we had Barge of the Dead and that mm-hmm. was it. Um, and watching her try to tap dance around the Prime Directive while trying to give the the useless writer man the stories he wanted, like like couching it in things that he would understand was actually pretty cool. And Tidro, you mentioned this in your in your summary that uh, sanitized for the Bronze Age. You said, yeah, like I liked the way she was. Okay, can't say this. Uh, we were sailing on the sea. Uh, yeah, and and it was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Like I liked. Yeah, it, it felt very in character until again until it didn't. It was, other than that, it was a decent, like, watching Bellana react to this stuff was pretty interesting to me. Yeah. I just, I didn't like the stuff itself, but I liked her. And I liked how she handled it all. Mm -hmm. Didn't love her being tied to a chair. No. um, You know. Well, she was unconscious most of the time she was tied up. Oh, well, that makes (laughs) it all right then. But to me, if, if the, if, if the sympathetic guest star... The first thing you see him do is tie up one of our main characters to a chair. Yeah. 
Like that, it's going to be real hard to win me back, and I don't think he ever did. No, that's actually- and Milana didn't seem to care either. Like he's, uh, he's she's like, I'm going to shoot you if you ever come back, and then he shows up the next day. No, and she's you, like, yeah, whatever. You pointed that got a good laugh out of both of us because you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. She's like, never come back. Yeah. Right, hey, I'm back. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Didn't even pull out her gun. Nothing. Oh, uh, hey, buddy. But Matt, this. The, the whole chair tying thing is basically your bad thing, isn't it? Yeah, basically, this episode starts out like misery and then just made me want to watch Misery or read Misery or see the Broadway stage play of Misery starring Bruce Willis and Roseanne's sister from the television series Roseanne. Is that a real thing? Is Bruce Willis in a Broadway yes. version of Misery? Yes, and apparently he's wow. terrible in it. Really? Yep. Oh, I, I gotta look this up. Yeah, I, I yeah, I guess I could like I could see him being good, but I could also see him being such a big movie star that that theaters beneath him now. Well, at this point, Bruce Willis is everything is beneath him. Like that guy just can't. Yeah, exactly. Does not act anymore. Right. He's like there's a lot of people like that. There's, that's the Al Pacino effect. Yeah. That being said, Roseanne's sister from Roseanne is a great pick for fucking uh, uh, Annie I, Wilkes. Yeah. Yeah, Annie. I, yeah. I don't remember. Uh, I don't remember Roseanne, so I'm not sure who That's that fair. is. But uh, is that uh, who's it? Laurie Metcalf? Is that who you're talking about? I think about? so. Yeah. Yes. Ah, yes. Okay. Well, I do know her from other things. Yeah. Right. Yeah, okay. she's good. Yeah, I could see that. She was also yeah. the friend on Norm Macdonald's television series Norm. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> my television series Norm. <laughs> I got the sister from Roseanne. Talk talk about a guy who just doesn't try anymore and just does the same thing every time. That's true. Yep. Bob Dole is also just Norm MacDonald. Uh, Tidro, what was your bad thing about this episode? Uh, okay. So Harry literally pops up from the bushes next to the <laughs> ship and happens to have the exact piece that they need. Yep. This I, is the literal Deus Ex Machina yeah. you were talking about. Yes. And and I don't and maybe that was intentional to go with the whole Greek play thing, but if it wasn't, it's really stupid. I no. was waiting for them to reveal because they were talking the whole time about war and about how there's another society out there, and I figured he was stuck with them. And I figured I just, that that would be the reveal is that while Bolana was doing all this with one side, he was doing it with the other side. I was I have a note that says maybe Harry's dead. And that would make Alan Matt very happy. Yes, it would. We would be all like, yay. Yeah. I would definitely be all like, yay. <laughs> Problem is, I've seen the finale. I know he's in it. So we're stuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Although I will say, I got to give credit where it's due. Uh, I agreed with something Harry said in this episode. <laughs> which is, we got 10 minutes left. Voyager has now found them. She says, I got to stay and finish this guy's play. And he says, why? Who cares? <laughs> I, hey, you know what? <laughs> Score one for Harry. That's that's one to like 10,000, but yeah, no, one in the plus column for you, special boy. That, that Yeah, who cares? And uh, d- yeah. d- d- let's just take this into my bad thing here. Okay. Uh-oh. Stories about the importance of stories are the most circle jerky type of stories that there are. Yep. I, they can, in the hands of an excellent writer. Terry Pratchett's done it. Neil Gaiman's done it. A few other uh, uh, decent writers can pull this off. Mm-hmm. They can be effective. But unless you're extremely skilled at storytelling, it comes off as the ultimate telling and not showing. You say stories are important, and you're delivering that message through a crummy story full of hacky dialogue in which I have zero invested. Like, stories are important. Okay, show me a good story that convinces me of that. No, we're not going to do that. We're yeah, just going to tell you stories are important. Yeah, that doesn't seem necessary. 
Like, a war has never been ended by a story. But writers sure think they are. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's and, and apparently his patron is so volatile he's 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 his his actions are so ruled by his emotions that if you just put on a nice play it'll put him in a good mood and he won't go to war yeah basically you know the famous the famous example of when that happened was in a play yeah like (laughs) yes oh wait a king was won over by a play in a play like i don't think it really happens no i just like there aren't really like writers are the only ones who ever think writing is important you know what i mean like are artists in general and I say this as an artist and a writer. Like, I make stuff. Yeah, maybe sometimes I change a mind or two. Maybe sometimes I inspire a person or two. At best, that's what I hope for. I don't think that I definitely do, but I think at like at my peak efficiency, maybe that happens. But I that's not why I do it. And I don't I hate it when other artists tell me that that's a thing. Because it's so circle jerky. Yeah. It's so self-serving, bat back padding, like ugh. I just it's it's so self-indulgent. I hate it. Fucking writers. Am I right? <laughs> yeah. Fucking scum. This is Jake Sisko all over again. writers. The scum of the whatever planet <laughs> this is. I'm looking at you, Jake Sisko, you son of a bitch. <laughs> oh, you you mean you're looking at the lump in his covers. He's not out of bed yet. <laughs> oh, no, not even close. Oh, no. oh, Jake, it's one in the afternoon. Shouldn't you be in bed? No, come on. We're on Bayshore time. It's 47 in the afternoon. <laughs> oh, he was up so late last night writing. He was up till 26 (laughs) o'clock. No, I just like, and this is another example, just like last, last episode, Mm -hmm. where if the main lead uh, guest star had been more convincing, more charismatic, more of a presence, maybe I would have bought into it. Mm -hmm. Like if the playwright guy had been more charming or convincingly desperate or whatever it is he was supposed to be. I would have bought one the importance of what he was doing, and two him winning over Bellana. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't enough of a presence to to convince me of that. See, I totally bought him as like a uh, head guy of a community uh, theater troupe. Yes, exactly. Yo, he whereas perfect, he was perfect as that. You were right. What he should have been is Shakespeare. He should have been <laughs> way better than than his surroundings. Like. Does merited, you know what I mean? Like a genius living in a community theater, like outshining yeah. his his like like what's his name who played Shakespeare and Shakespeare in Love? Like you really got the impression this guy is a rising star and he's a little bit better than what he's actually doing right now. Yeah, and that kind of thing, you know what I mean? Like he he felt exactly right for community theater instead of a genius toiling in community <laughs> theater. I I guess that put my expectations of him lower. Could be. Just that mindset. Also, you probably thought he was cute, so that probably takes good hair. Yeah, well, there you go. That's <laughs> all. I started it, watching it, and it's all I'm it like, oh, this is, yeah. I started watching it, and I was like, oh, this is Moulin Rouge without singing. Okay, and now I know you guys don't know what well, that is. Okay, so but explain that to us. Like, why? What? What? How is it like Moulin Rouge? Because you have a penniless poet who is who wants to write to make a difference in the world. Okay, so I definitely wouldn't like Moulin Rouge, just like I <laughs> suspected I would. <laughs> no, if that's what it's about, I just don't like that kind of story. And he has, nine times and 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 uh, and uh, Cal- and um, Ewan McGregor has extremely good hair in it. Okay, the, so. good hair really makes a difference to you, doesn't it? It really does. That's, that's why it's you. Very impo- it's very important. Why you're on the Harry Kim train for so long? 
Yeah, yeah. I think we're we're if not if not completely taking you off that train, at least getting you to move back to the bar car with us. <laughs> do I need a credit card to ride on that train? You do not, as it turns out. <laughs> uh, what else? Um, this is two weeks in a row of some really lazy forehead ridge aliens. Yep. Yeah. I I do I do think whenever you have a planet where you have to see a bunch of them, that's when they do that. That's yeah. that seems to be the pattern is like, okay, we got to have like, cause there were what, like 20 different of these guys between the actors and the audience. Mm. I mean, that so makes you couldn't sense. make them too yeah. elaborate. And Balana at one point had to sort of blend in with them. Yeah. So I, I so she just had just slightly different forehead ridges, ridges and they didn't care. No, well, cause she's from as, France. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was, their, uh, they, that was their cover. No, and she came from across the sea where uh-huh. they look like this, I guess. Across the sea that we haven't built a channel to yet. <laughs> Someday, though. There was, getting back to Bellana being pretty good at improvising, the, at, near the beginning, there's a bit where she's threatening the dude and some thunder happens and he gets terrified and she completely rolls with it. Mm. Yep, that sure was me who caused that uh-huh. thunder. You better run. Well, uh, when someone asks you if you're a god, yeah. you say yes. I feel like everyone but, on Voyager's taken an improv class recently. Well, when you're when you're trying to blend in, <laughs> when you're trying to blend in on a on a planet, honest, like that's that is a good joke. But for real, mm-hmm. when you're trying to blend in on a planet, it might be good to sharpen those skills of being able to make shit up on the top of your head. Like that's actually good. Okay, I need a place and an occupation. Yes, and shut up, Neelix. <laughs> um, I I have a note that said um. Balana trading stories for technology is it feels very Shiharazad. It's like Oh yeah. It's a yeah, I thought that was kind of neat. See that. I don't I like actually that. know like I recognize the name but that, that that's like an old Persian thing, right? The four what yeah, is it? Thousand uh, and, th- yeah, thousand and one Arabian thousand Nights. Thousand and one nights. Ah, yeah. okay. I'm so not actually like, familiar with that either. So like basically she had to tell a story to the guy every night or else he'd kill her. Ah. Okay then. No, I know yeah. like all the I I know like the Bugs Bunny version of that sure. and like the Disney version <laughs> of that, but I don't know the yeah. original story at all. Yeah. So, uh, what else? Oh, so okay. Uh, Delta Flyer crashed on this planet. Mm-hmm. Harry escaped in an escape pod. A shuttle has an escape pod. Yeah, that seems weird. Too. I buy that just because at this point the Delta Flyer has everything. Just because fucking Tom wants to put all this crap into it. Well, that and and Bellana helped him build it, and it's a nice together activity yeah. for them, I guess. Like I picture him as like She's an eight year old, like, and it should have an escape shuttle too. Yeah, <laughs> it's like that car that Homer built with his brother. Exactly, and a cup holder, giant cup holders. <laughs> I could see that. That actually, she just shoved him out of torpe- torpedo bay. <laughs> Hope you can hold yeah, your but breath. But a shuttle doesn't Bye. shoot torpedos either. Oh, it like, has shuttle- torpedos. Just, oh come on! Yeah, <laughs> it's just like it's like Russian nesting shuttles. Like, does the escape pod also have an escape pod? <laughs> of course it does, and that okay. also sh- and that also shoots missiles. But they're little red Bob- Boba Fett missiles. <laughs> no, those that's a myth, Matt. Some kid put his eye out, and that doesn't shoot anymore. Aw, or that might just be an urban myth, and it never happened. I'm not sure. I know it was in an. I, I know it was, there was an article in Toy Fair about it. Well, then it must be real. Yeah. Just like uh, the Borg sticking their foot in the door. Yeah, and the Spider-Man Congo line. Classics. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Those are pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
Uh, also, Tuvok seems way more upset about Bolana being missing than Tom. Oh, yeah, that makes I mean, no they're, they're, sense Tom to me. Tom is upset. Tom's upset at the beginning when they first have yeah. the first conference room scene where he's like, oh, my God, we got to get my fiance, girlfriend. I don't know. Steady. We got to get her back. We got to get my engineer yeah. back. Yeah. I, that's another thing. I, I guess Harold's been kind of training to be an engineer, but without the two of them, who the fuck runs engineering? Oh, man. Yeah. Is Carrie still alive? Yeah, they'd have to bring him back. <laughs> yeah. Fucking Neelix shows I mean, up. I can do it. Ugh. I mean, Seven could do it, but you don't want her to. No. That's, a, a that's not a great run uh, engineering. Like, it, it, technically speaking, it would run better than ever, but... You gotta. Well, she would fire everybody and just do it all herself. Uh, She'd put the Borg children to work, I think. (laughs) Yes, yes, she would. She'd have some people working for her. She'd build a bunch of robots. Naomi Wildman would be the uh, the the assistant chief. Mm -hmm. You know what? I kind of like that idea. Yeah. I've been using Bellana much. I don't like Harry. Just leave him. What else? Yeah, but Tuvok stays awake for like 10 days. I, there's a there is a funny scene I thought mm-hmm. where he fell asleep on the bridge and it's that classic your dad's just resting his eyes thing and but then Tom catches him wakes him up and Tuvok like your typical sort of played for comedy proud Vulcan would say no I wasn't sleeping but Tuvok is like ah oh, fuck he caught me you God know what I'm it. going off duty now and I, I like that as a nice subtle like character detail that like a different Vulcan wouldn't do yeah he is willing yeah. to admit that he fucked up. And he immediately calls Chakotay and says, you know what? I'm falling asleep in the chair. I got to go to bed now. And I like that. You want to get up here? Yeah. I also like that uh, that Tom just like, like, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Robert Duncan McNeil plays that pretty well. Like the smirking. I'm, I'm not going to verbally mock you in front of the rest of the crew right now, but you're going to hear about this later. In yeah. your holodeck. That I like. Well, meanwhile, he, yeah. Meanwhile, he looks perfectly rested, clean-shaven, uniform-pressed. Well, you said typically he's... when he lets himself go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he generally will take any opportunity to let himself look like a ruffian. I was go- I was hoping you would use the same choice of words you used when you said it to us before. Because <laughs> yes, ruffian. ruffian. <laughs> he's such but a, he does. He's done this so he's many times. Such a times. rakish cad. A bounder. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But no, he seems fine. No, Amanda points that out every time we watch an episode together and like he's got his hair messed up and he's a little unshaven like, oh, something's wrong with Tom. See? The thing is... No, perfectly, perfectly pressed. The thing is that trick works with like uh, characters who have really under control hair. Like when Ducat's hair would be messed up, you're like, oh shit. Yep. Or Odo. Or Odo, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, characters whose hair is usually slicked down when it starts going a little wild, you're like, "Uh uh-oh. That ain't good. Or or when Worf didn't have his hair in a ponytail, he oh well he's clearly off duty. Yep. Like sometimes yeah. they, they use the hair for that, but with Tom it's not very good. He has that he has that dumb white boy hair. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's not good hair. Yeah. This is why I don't like Tom. I don't dislike his hair, but I'm not as hair obsessed as you are either. Tedra, I feel like we need to exactly. just bring you on to rate all of the hair in Star Trek. Oh, I can totally like do that. A list. Yeah, the thing is like Different different people respond to different things. Like, uh, Flonk seems more into, like, the, the deep Star Trek stuff. Like, that's not the right tricorder. Mm-hmm. And and Bob knows a lot about <laughs> visual effects. And Tidra, your thing is hair. <laughs> Apparently. That is, a le- that is a legitimately big part of production. Like, it sounds like we're making fun of you, but really it is. No, I had huge issues with uh, first season Janeway mm-hmm. hair. Oh, yeah. Well, I think everyone good, knows that. So. 
You don't have to be Tidro no. to notice that. Yeah. That was some bad hair. <laughs> Although we recently got an episode that flashed back to season one, and it was pretty funny to watch her have to do her season one hair again. Yeah. Yeah. Is this it? Do I look bad enough? Yeah. <laughs> and in production time, we're talking about the difference between 1995 and 1998 or something. Like, it's not that long yeah. ago. It wasn't a fashion thing. It was just a bad choice thing. Yep. Uh, anything else? Um, da, 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 da. Um, oh, they made the board, board queen the bad guy, which feels like maybe Bolana. Yeah, after, after he consulted with Bolana, suddenly... Uh, suddenly Seven of Nine t took on a much more adversarial role. Yes. Hmm. <laughs> so odd how that Okay, happens. I have one note. Pedro, I actually like Let's... your note here that uh, Borg Queen gets the ratings. <laughs> yep. Everyone knows yep. this. This is, this is how you do it. Well, spoilers for the finale, but uh, the Borg Queen comes back. Oh, good. <laughs> so you're not wrong. <laughs> All right. Anything else? Mm. Nope. Yeah. I'm good. You got a quote for us? Eight notes here, so. Yeah, I saw that. I have a quote from the play. Her eyes and her ears and the viper in her nest. I, Seven of Nine, have no intention of finding Bellana Torres. I, Seven of Nine, am Queen of the Borg. Surprised? No one will be more surprised than Janeway. When I take my revenge on Voyager, say nothing, or you too will be assimilated. All right, so that that gives you an idea of whether you think you might like this episode or not. That kind of sums it up nicely, I think. That is not actually Seven of Nine. That is an actress playing Seven what? of Nine. I mean, look, Seven of Nine is played by an actress named Jerry Ryan. I'm not sure if you're aware of this. What? I, I no, I never mind. Never mind. Forget I said that. <laughs> You just keep mm. thinking what you're thinking. My God. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Tidro, as ever, it's a delight to have you on. Uh, why don't you tell the fine folks uh, what you what you get up to, the things that you make and sell and do? Uh, I make soap, and it's usually pretty nerdy soap. I have some Star Trek soap. It's in different uh, different TOS colors. Um, I can do other colors upon request as well. Uh, and I make costume horns, uh, cute little costume horns. I sell a ton of those at Halloween and, um, that's what I do for money and you can extra money and you can find that at bunnybubbles.etsy.com. Excellent. Yeah. Well, I, we will hear from you again next season uh, for, for a Harry Kim episode, probably I'm guessing. It's almost positive. Yeah. We, we, we will, uh, but next. unless there's, unless there's, a, unless there's a, Janeway Chuck shipping episode. Uh, then, then, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't get that. No. Just no. All right. So that's all for this time. All right. Uh, see you, folks. The Post Atomic Horror Podcast is a co production of Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2017. Please don't sue us. We're, we're, we're still just doing this.